Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening to the Go 24-7 podcast. You can follow us and leave us a rating and a review anywhere you listen to podcasts, whether that be iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on Go247.com, a part of the 24-7 network. I'm Billy Unbody. Like I said, joining me on the podcast this week, a very special guest. We're going to talk LSU-Texas recruiting battles in Houston and Dallas. Both of us have been on the road over the last few weeks, so I wanted to bring him on. A part-timer, now officially full-time on the 24-7 network, Horns 24-7's Mike Roach. Mike, welcome to the pod. Billy, that's quite an intro. I really appreciate that. Well, it's uh, it's great to be down in, in H-Town with you. Got to see a little bit of talent in the area today. Yeah. Pretty solid uh, day on, on the trail for ourselves. We're hanging out on the east side. We're surrounded by oil refineries and uh, Deer Park. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've we've seen a ton of guys already and it's only Monday. So I've got a long week in Houston. You've got a couple more stops before you head back home. But uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen a ton of great guys so far. And capped it with a nice nice meal at Buffalo Wild Wings. That, that took three hours to get our wings. Yeah. Yeah. They were worth it, kind of. They had a Wi-Fi. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> we got we got what we needed to get done. Done. Um, ju- I wanted to jump right in. We we got uh, to see four-star defensive back Xavion Alford work out privately after his practice today at Shadow Creek. I saw him at Shadow Creek. You and I both saw him at his private workout with Roe over uh, over there uh, near the Galleria. What I guess from a prospect standpoint stands out to you when you look at Xavion? I think the thing with him, and I told you this earlier tonight, was I don't know that he's exceptional at any one thing, but he's very good at a lot of things. And I think really what stands out the most and has for a long time with him is the way he thinks through the game. I really like that in a safety, considering they're the guys that get people lined up on the back end and they're, you know, have to make coverage adjustments and things like that. He really understands coverage probably more in depth than most kids I've ever met that play the position. I mean, just tonight we were small talking about the the state championship game against Highland Park, and he was running through. You know, when they did this, we rotated to this coverage, and when they did that, we rotated to this coverage, and that's what freed them up to do this. And I, you know, you don't hear kids talk about that in depth. I think kids have a basic understanding of cover two, cover three, what my responsibility is. But he really seemed to have a vision for the whole defense, and I think. You know, it reminds me of like when Michael Huff, like when Texas won the national championship in 2005, Michael Huff was the guy on the back end that did all of that. And they talked about how big of an asset it was to have a guy in the back end who can who can basically quarterback the entire defense from back there. And I think that's what Xavier is. I just I think he's a quality kid and I think he's a really smart kid and, and a pretty good football player. Well, one thing when we were talking with some of the parents that were there at the workout today, one of them mentioned to me, in the father of one of the underclassmen, real young freshman that was out there working out, said when they were playing seven on seven, Xavion would would get on him, coach him up, show him where to be. Show and and one thing that Xavion even mentioned to us is is he calls that defense from that safety spot. Whether he calls the front seven, he calls the the secondary, he takes care of all of that, and that's that's pretty unique and impressive. And, and another thing that stands out about him. Yeah, and I mean, ideally I think he's maybe a deep safety. I think he could play in the nickel. He's got that skill set. He's physical enough, I think, to play in the nickel. Pretty de- decent in man coverage enough to line up on a guy in the slot. 
Uh, he can play the run a little bit. So he does just kind of a little bit of everything pretty well. And I think that's the reason. It's funny, you know, he came to Texas Junior Day two years ago with, with Leon O'Neill and a bunch of the guys from Fast. And I got to talking to him at, at that event and told him, like, hey, man, just be patient. You know, offers will come and all that. And he's kind of been a guy that's waited for a long, long time. And now all of a sudden you can kind of see why a, a lot of schools around the country are after him. Well, three days ago, a year ago, was his first offer, and, and he brought that up to me today. I said, it's it's been a crazy ride for you, and, and he's not done rising. He's not done, uh, certainly, with the recruiting process. And one thing we talked about was kind of breaking out uh, that, that top 10 down to a, a group of official visits. He's going to tackle that. Two official visit visits he knows he wants to take are LSU and Texas in the season uh, handicap this battle for us. I, I think we're both on the same page as far as what it's coming down to, but um, your thoughts on just his recruitment? Yeah, you know, he's a kid that talks a lot about different schools at different times. So there's always going to be information that now this school is taking the lead or that school. I don't think it matters. Since the beginning, it's kind of been LSU in Texas. And I tend to kind of lean towards what it, what's the longstanding thing, you know. And so... I think it's going to be those two schools in the end. I think uh, he visited LSU back in the spring, I think maybe for the spring game. Right, somewhere around there. Yeah, and, and it came out of that weekend a lot of momentum on LSU's side. I think there were some crystal balls that went in. And I didn't think he was ready to make a decision at that point, but I think that LSU kind of taken the edge in that recruitment. I think Texas did a good job getting him back on campus for the spring game. Craig Niver, their safeties coach, is all over him. Um, and and he's kind of a relentless recruiter as it is. Was out there today. Was out there. You you got to see him out there today. Um, I think that it's going to be those schools down to the end. It's really going to be who hangs in there, who pushes for him the hardest. Um, right now, I'd probably, if, I mean, if he was deciding tomorrow, I think I'd give the edge to LSU. I think Texas has more than enough time to get back in it, though. Yeah, and, and I, again, impressive prospect. Going to be a fun recruitment to follow. He's always been great just with the media. So um, great to see him work out. You know, in practice around his teammates, and then get out there uh, and and go from a two two hour two ish hour practice out in about ninety degree heat uh, to going right over to that private workout that lasts about an hour ish. So he got in that extra work, and it's a big reason why he's 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 seen his recruitment and ranking surge. And he kind of led the workout. Yeah, if you noticed, like yeah. he was kind first of first in line. Yeah, first in line. He was demonstrating in all the drills. He was kind of, I mean, Rose Simon, their trainer ran the workout, but Xavier was kind of co-running the workout the whole time. So it kind of just falls in line with everything else we've said about it. You, you were on uh, the other side of town today seeing uh, Houston North Shore. Uh, one, one guy you talked to, five-star running back, Zach Evans. Um, anything uh, surprise you today at practice? I mean, we've kind of probably seen it all from Zach at this point. Zach actually didn't work out today, so I didn't get to see him in action. Now, I've seen Zach about a million times in different settings, um, games, seven-on-seven uh, -seven work, all that kind of stuff. I, I don't think there's much more Zach can show me. Um, I, you know, Somebody actually asked me today, like, how do you see the elite guys in the country at running back shaking out? Like, Which one would you want of you know, at least the guys Texas is recruiting? I know LSU's in for a couple of them, too, with uh, you know, Jace McClellan and uh, John Robinson and Kendall Milton and guys like that. And I said, man, I think I'd still take Zach. He's just got some free qualities I, you don't often see in a kid. Um, you know, away from the field, there's a lot that Zach says. And he's actually, you know, sometimes we run into these five stars and they want to no-interview you or they want to 
clam up. Zach will actually talk quite a bit if you let him. Um, it's just I, I don't know how much any of it matters right now. Um, he's going to be a kid that takes his time. He talked today about really stretching the process out so he could get as many college coaches out to North Shore to see his teammates as possible, which I always kind of like in a guy. I mean, that's kind of an unselfish view of recruitment. And, you know, with, with him – I don't know who it's going to come down to. I think you look at the – again, you go back and look at the schools who have kind of always been in there. I think that Texas will be in there. I think the Texas A&M will be in there. I think the LSU will be in there. Um, and it's really going to depend on which schools want to wait him out, I think. I think – you know, I don't know what LSU's doing at running back or looking at it running back-wise. I know they're they're in it for Milton, right? Yeah, they, they've, they've, they've got official visits that is first one, yeah. Yeah, and so, I mean, maybe that's a case of they take Milton and move on to something else or, or take Milton and then try for Zach, but maybe it's not as big of a priority. Uh, you know, with Texas, I think that they're, that they really like Bajon Robinson out of Arizona. Um, they're going to push for him, but ideally they would like to come away with Zach. I think it's going to be whoever wants to wait him out. And I think, you know, Zach says it and we hear package deals so many times that we roll our eyes. And I actually do believe that Damian George's recruitment is going to be very important for Zach Evans recruitment. Well, that'll be one to follow for a long, long time, uh, as you as you mentioned. Another one that kind of surprised us a little bit today, uh, Josh Eaton, defensive back out of uh, Aldine MacArthur. I mean, he's a really long cornerback. I think he's kind of still scratching the surface on what he can do, especially at that position. But going to take an LSU official visit, dropping a uh, top 12 soon. Top 12 alert. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are thoughts on that, and there are thoughts on Josh Eaton's <laughs> recruitment. Uh, yeah, so Josh was a kid who blew up really the spring. I think I saw him out with Fast at one of their first tournaments, and I was like, ah, oh, that kid looks really interesting. <laughs> and, I mean, you saw him today. You know what I'm talking about. Like, he he's, just walks on the field, and you think, that's interesting. He's kind of he's, he's like a baby giraffe in a way, still kind of learning the position. But, I mean, just long, and uh, yeah. you can tell there's athleticism and all of that. Played receiver. Last year was his first real year ever playing corner. So his film's not actually not that bad for a guy in his first year. He's really fast, straight line. I think even for his, his baby giraffe qualities, and you're right, I mean, his legs are so long. But you could see it today in in some of the drills they were doing. He changes with a lot of burst. He, he yeah. uses, he's twitchy, um, if that's a word we can use on this podcast. He's very twitchy. Um <laughs> Kind of fluid for for as big as he is, and he's one of those guys that you dream on, and you think, you know, if we could just get this guy under the right coach, we could really turn him into a monster. He's probably about six two, one seventy five, one eighty, maybe. Just potential for days. Uh, you know, Texas was kind of one of his first big offer, bigger offers, and uh, I thought it was very close. Texas shutting him down, and you know, after that, a, a bunch of schools came in and offered, and I think he wanted to slow the process down. I think Texas will be in it for him. I think Oregon will be in it for him. He mentioned he wants to set up a, a, an official. But actually, to me, and I don't know what he told you, but uh, he, he told me the only official visit he knows for sure of right now is to LSU. So, um, obviously, right. the Tigers have his attention. Um, the top 12, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, I, I have a hard time believing that there's a kid out there like who is seriously considering 12 schools at any point in time. You know, I think we know most of the time we deal with kids – it's like three or four that are really five at most. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. He wants to have fun with it. and I, I don't blame him. I mean, if they were offering me free trips around the country, 
I'd take everyone I could get. Yeah, absolutely. He's wide open as it gets. I don't think we need to break down who's the real contenders just yet on that one. I wanted to switch to a guy you're going to see tomorrow, but you know a little bit about, and he goes to the same high school as a current LSU player, went to Kerry Vincent Jr., Port Arthur Memorial defensive end. Jordan Thomas picked up an LSU offer today. What do you know about him? Very little. I'm hoping to know more. So Texas offered this kid six or seven months ago, out of nowhere, a 2021 defensive end. I watched his films; great. He does not talk to to many people in the media, um, and which is a reason that I circled it on my calendar. Like, get out there, go see him face to face, and talk to him. Um, and you know, I think that the Golden Triangle in Texas, which is that Beaumont, Port Arthur area, it breeds athletes, man. Like, you're, I mean, you talk about Kerry Vincent was just a freak in high school. Jamal Charles, a guy from Port Arthur, the guys who have come out of Beaumont, the guys who have come out of, you know, Port Natchez and Nederland and, all, and that whole area. So, you know, I'm expecting to see a, a big, long, rangy defensive end type with some, with some real twitch and burst and um, you know, we'll see what he says tomorrow. The funny thing is, is the guys in that area, they're so close to the Louisiana border that it's almost more of a home recruiting for them when LSU gets involved than it is when right. Texas schools are involved. And that was one thing that Xavion kind of mentioned to me is, is when looking at, and we'll have the full story on Go 24-7, and you'll, you'll have yours as well on Horns 24-7, but just kind of looking at LSU, it, as he's monitoring that recruiting class, he kind of admitted, he was like, look, I mean, it's so close to Houston. It's almost like a in-state school mm-hmm. picking up a ton of momentum with LSU's class being what it is right now. A- another guy in the Houston area that has visited LSU, I think a lot of people, especially myself, think that LSU's not really in it for him as much as he might say or might show with his actions, but that's Cy Ridge, defensive lineman, Vernon Broughton, the 24-7 sports crystal ball is on Texas. You think LSU's a little bit bigger of a player than – uh, might be. Yeah, I think he's given me some comments in the past that indicated he's, he has a real... You know, his mother was an assistant coach at LSU right. uh, for the women's basketball team at, at some point. So he definitely has ties to the school. He's familiar with the area. Um, and she, you know, obviously that comfort level's there for her having been there before. He did tell me um, that he really loved the food there. <laughs> it was hey, the best. that's a start. That's it's right. better than the next guy we're yeah. going to talk about. So um, he said it was the best food he had had on a visit was the food at LSU. Uh, you know, Ed Orgeron is incredibly involved in his recruitment from what he says. And I think for defensive linemen, obviously, with Ed's history, that's huge. You know, when that guy's involved, especially when he can roll out the resume that he has of developing defensive linemen. And I think LSU knows how to use those types of guys. The, Vernon Broughton is bred for, you know, as much as, and I'm not here to pander to anyone in specific, but as much as, like, Texas fans are going to hear me, hate to hear me say this, the SEC knows how to use guys like Vernon Broughton. Where I, I'm not sure the Big 12 is is all over it. You're talking about a guy who's 6'5", probably going to play, you know, north of 300 pounds, but move like a defensive end. You can kind of mix him in, in multiple fronts and, um, you know, it seems like LSU and Alabama and Mississippi State and schools like that find uses for those guys all the time. And so I do think that LSU, you know, I think that at some point they will get an official visit. I think if I had to just call a top five for Vernon Broughton right now, I would guess it would be Texas A&M, Oklahoma, LSU, and probably Alabama. So there, I, I would guess they get an official visit, and, and you know as well as I do, once you get them on campus for an official, all bets are off. Um, that's another one out of uh, Texas that is that is considering LSU, and and we'll see. Like you said, they get them on campus. 
We'll see what happens. One that dropped his top five tonight. You're going to have to help me with his name. Mannered defensive end. Princely. Uman Milan. Uman Milan. That's what we're rolling with. Uh, a guy that I know on LSU's side that they've seen this spring. They love him. LSU, Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, and um, Oregon, and Oregon uh, were his top five. What What do you make of that group? It's funny. I, I would say that he's been to Texas. You know, he's a Mainer guy. Mainer's right outside of Austin. He's been to Texas probably 15 times in 2019. He's there every weekend almost. And yet, I still don't get an overwhelming feeling that Texas holds a lead. He's always kind of liked Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma's recruited him a little harder. Um, Texas A&M came into the picture later, but they kind of grabbed his attention. Uh, he liked everything about LSU except for the crawfish, which it's I told a, It's a red flag. It is. <laughs> I mean, it just is. I, I, I was blown away, and I think I texted you when he told, told us that. 100%. I, I was like, this is a wild thing. I've never heard a kid mention this. Turns out he just doesn't like crawfish. You know, it wasn't that the crawfish at LSU was necessarily bad. It's just he doesn't like crawfish, which whatever. Um, you know, I mean, that's his preference. Uh, but, you know, I think obviously, again, he, he kind of falls into that Vernon Broughton category for me that he's a lineman that's versatile. You could do a couple of different things with, and that, and they, you know, they know how to use those guys. I think, in the end, I would probably lean to Texas and Oklahoma as the leaders in that group. But again, you know, you get him on campus for an official, and anything can happen. Very true. Another one that you're going to go see um, just at the end of this week is is Chad Lindbergh, who's been to LSU um, a couple times now. He's taken a couple unofficial visits. Sounds like he's going to take an, an official visit. Uh, to LSU, what are you kind of hearing on the Clear Creek offensive tackle? Um, I think that Texas grabbed a, a pretty big lead after his official two weeks ago. Uh, he came to Austin. He's close with three of their three or four of their commits. Uh, he's close with the all three offensive linemen they have and Hudson Card, their quarterback commit. Um, those guys have been doing a number on him. His brother's already enrolled at Texas as a student. His mother prefers Texas, um, I think, out of all the schools. You know, early on, I think the fear for a lot of Texas fans was Stanford because Stanford has been that school that's come in and just taken offensive linemen out of the state that Texas wants. And I, and I know that Stanford felt really confident they had a good shot at, at, at this one uh, just from everything I was hearing on their side, too. Yeah, and I don't think he was as blown away as he expected to be when he went up there for an unofficial visit. And so I don't think Stanford's much of a threat anymore. I do know that he likes LSU. I know that he likes Georgia. He actually mentioned to me that he really loved Georgia Tech when he visited, which I didn't expect to hear. Um, but, you know, he's going to try to take those visits during the summer. I think the tough part for Chad is that he's going to run into – he wants to make his decision before the senior season. Right. He's got some – scheduling conflicts in the summer because he's got some activities with his church and a mission trip and all those kind of things. And I think he's going to run into some time constraints if he wants to make that decision in the summer with dead periods falling in right. July and things like that. So we'll see if he actually makes those visits. I, at this point, I would be very surprised if Lindbergh doesn't end up at Texas. I'm with you on that. Uh, with that, we've wrapped up the Houston part of this podcast. We're going to come back. We're going to end up where uh, both of us have called home or call home, uh, and that's Dallas. Uh, plenty of uh, more recruits to talk about on the other side of this break on the Go 24-7 podcast. We'll be right back after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Continuing to roll on as myself, Billy Embody, and Mike Roach break down some LSU-Texas-type recruiting battles and prospects to know across the state of Texas. We're moving on to the Dallas area now, where LSU's been fairly active. They've had an assistant coach up there at least, I want to say, twice a week for the entire spring evaluation period, whether that's been Joe Brady, Steve Ensminger, Dennis Johnson. I mean, different assistants have been camping out in Dallas. They're doing a really good job up there. I want to lead off with an LSU commitment that you saw this week just at the end of last week, Cedar Hill offensive lineman, Cortland Ford. What did you see out of him as, as he seems like he's dropping a little bit of weight? Yeah, Good news. He, he's done a lot of work actually reshaping his body. I remember when he was a sophomore seeing him and not, you know, obviously his size is a, is a very impressive thing. I think a lot of people get obsessed with size with offensive tackles. And, you know, when you got a sophomore, who's 6'6", six, six, you know, plus 300 pounds, it's something that makes you think. But – you know, I, I always tend to think a guy that big that early, something, you know, something's not, it's not great because they're not, they don't tend to get smaller, you know. And then by the time they get to college, what are they? Uh, Cortland's actually done a lot of work to get down. He's slimmer, leaner looking. Um, his uh, recruiting coach told me that he's actually, his knees are, are as healthy as they've ever been right now. He's had some knee problems. Um, and so, you know, for, those are all very positive things. I love to see that in a kid that, you know, it's hard for kids, I think, to reshape bodies just right, in general. Right. Um, like Andrew Coker last year was a kid out of Katie Taylor who, when he was a sophomore, and sorry, I'm not trying to go too far off track here, but I think there's a parallel. When he was a sophomore, he was like 340 pounds, and then at some committed to Florida. At some point, he was like up near 380. I remember seeing him in the spring a couple years ago, yeah. And he was just awful. Like, he was just 380 and couldn't move. And he did a lot of work. And last year when I saw him at a camp, he just looked phenomenal. He got down to 305, and it really paid off for him. Ended up signing with TCU. But um, I think Cortland's kind of in the same boat. I think that Cortland's a hard worker. I think that he's not lazy, which is something I kind of look for in big guys. Being a big guy myself, you know, I'm, I'm extremely lazy. So um, <laughs> I look for the opposite in guys. And I, I don't see that, like, sluggishness in him. I think what I would love to see more from Cortland, obviously there's athleticism there, there's size. I'd like to see a little more nasty in his game. He doesn't use his length to his advantage. He lets guys get too far inside of him. He's got long arms. Got to use those, get the hands on guys. And he just doesn't finish guys like the way you want him to be seen. He plays more of a finesse game. And, you know, I know in the SEC that it's it's finesse guys are typically don't succeed. So I like to see him mix a little bit of that in. But, you know, he's a guy that 
I think he's got a lot of great tools to work with if you get him under a good coach and, and let him develop. Do you see him as somebody, and, and I agree with you on the nasty, I mean, just talking with him, he's just overly nice. Yeah. And um, but, but, but where do you see him on an offensive line at the next level, especially in, in the SEC? I think his ceiling, I, I don't think he has the quickness to play left side. Um, so I think his ceiling is probably a really good right tackle. Uh, not not an all-American type, but maybe an all-conference type right mm-hmm. tackle is his absolute ceiling. I, you know, there's a lot of people who don't think you can have six six guards. I don't tend to see a problem with that. So um, he could play guard, but I think really ideally he would be a, a you know an all-conference level right tackle. Corlin is is one I think that we're going to be monitoring all the way through signing day in terms of. Just kind of, again, his development, he's in a really good program. He, he works his tail off. I mean, he has dropped that weight and, and continued to work. And I'm excited to see his senior tape because I think it could be the culmination of some some really hard work put in. Uh, we're going to switch over to a little bit of the younger side here for a minute. Um, and I know you were just out at Alito. We're going to start with 2021 wide receiver JoJo Early. He's a guy that LSU is sending mail right now to, but I know that they're high on him. He's somebody they want to get to camp. They want to probably put an offer on the table. What, what can you tell me about that, that speedy slot? Uh, it comes out of a powerhouse program in the Lido. It's won like 90 state championships in the last decade. It's being conservative. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. One time I was in the press box and some uh, some new guy was in there from some newer media outlet and said, you know, I think Alito's a dark horse this year at Wood State. And we Stop. all just kind of turned around and we're like, what? <laughs> They're going to win it. They figure it out. Alito, you, what? Alito's not a dark horse friend. <laughs> I know some of their radio guys that I always t- cut, catch up with them about midseason because you know the melt's kind of starting to happen. Like, oh, this isn't working out. This is a, maybe, the, maybe the dynasty's over and they just roll through the playoffs. Yeah, they're basically the Patriots. Like, <laughs> midseason, everybody's like, this is it. They're done. And then they win. Yeah. So uh, JoJo is uh, kind of jumped on the scene early last season, but really had his coming out party in the playoffs and specifically in the state championship game um, in a big win over Fort Ben Austin. Uh, he's a probably five nine ish, five ten, kind of a slender slot, but he's a guy that can play that role where you can run him on jet sweeps, you could throw him bubble screens. He has uh, some of the cleanest route running I've seen. So he's a very good route runner. Works with Margin Hooks in the Dallas area. Um, one of the best trainers in the state. And so very very polished for for his position. I think uh, a lot of guys have compared him. I've heard college coaches compare him to Tavon Austin. Um, now, that's very high, high, high praise. praise. I mean, Tavon Austin was a legit 4-3 guy. I'm not sure JoJo is. Very fast, very quick. Um, but, yeah, I think... LSU, you know, I don't know enough about their offense of what they can do with a guy like that. I, I tend to think he's more of a fit for a passing league like the Big 12 or maybe mm-hmm. the Pack. Um, but, you know, he did mention that um, he loved the environment at LSU and uh, grew up, you know, obviously, I think if you grew up in this area, you watch LSU as much as you watch Texas or A&M or any of the other schools. So right. um, would be intrigued by an offer there. And I think, you know, obviously a guy that can open up your offense. Well, it's just crazy to think about guys growing up now that are this age that are born in the 2000s, one, because it makes them feel really old. Two, I mean, a lot of the times they really know schools like in the SEC playing those nationally televised games. Big 12's been on Fox by now. I mean, a few years. I mean, it is just such a more national reach in terms of what you can watch these days. That's a really good point there. 
Keytron Jackson is another kid that I wanted to highlight out of the 2021 class with you out at Lancaster. You've been around that program as much as anyone. Um, 61170 has offers, you know, Alabama, Arkansas, um, just tons of Power Five offers. LSU jumped into the mix. He's a uh, uh, a guy that's just outside the top 247 for us, but a four-star on the 247 sports rankings. Keetron Jackson, I mean, what what is this guy like? Well, first of all, you can't play at Lancaster if you don't have speed. You can't play a skill position there. Lancaster's a program that breeds speed so much so that, you know, I mean, often you go to the state track meet in Texas, you see a lot of football players. A lot of guys that play football are also the best guy on their track team. At Lancaster, they got guys on their varsity team. Lorando Johnson, an LSU commit, cannot make the varsity track team at Lancaster. They're that <laughs> fast. Um, they're disgustingly fast. So, you know, they're guys who play football. They demand speed. It's a track meet on the field every time they play. And Keytron is a kid that we've been monitoring. You know, Lancaster's probably my favorite school to deal with from a media perspective. They promote their kids better than anyone else. Chris Gilbert, their head coach, is fantastic with us. Uh, they do a really cool midnight madness practice to open first, up the day, yeah. yeah to open up summer or going into the fall where they start at midnight and they bring everybody out and have a barbecue. It's a big event. Uh, their recruiting coordinator there, Coach Harris, is great about sending us kids very early and letting us get in on them. That's how we got in on Lorando Johnson before he ever played a varsity snap. Keytron was one of the kids he sent us for sure. Um, and just kind of watching those guys grow, you know, he's – a lot more. He's the opposite of JoJo Earl in the sense that uh, Lancaster, while they're very speedy, far less polish. Um, uh, you're you're dealing with a lot more raw athleticism in those in those cases, and and that's what Keytron is. He's going to have to learn to run routes and to block and all those kind of things that you need out of your wide receivers. But from just a, a speed and playmaking aspect, one of the best in Texas. You mentioned Lorando Johnson, who committed to LSU earlier this spring. Uh, again, you've seen him a lot. Uh, what are your thoughts on him as, as a defensive back? I think Lorando Johnson has the skill as a defensive back to be maybe the best defensive back in this class nationally. And I thought that when I saw him as a sophomore. That uh, And I told him that. Like, you can be the number one corner in the country. Absolutely. You know, I think Keely Ringo out of Saboro is – as good as it gets, I think Elias Ricks is right up there. But Lorando Johnson has all the skill and athleticism of those guys. Um, the problem with Lorando is he's had some off-the-field stuff. And it hasn't been, like, it's nothing bad, like, but it's just, you know, kids being kids, acting up in class, things like that. And so, uh, from what I hear, he's gotten a lot of that on track. I think the commitment really kind of anchored him a little bit and, and made him settle down and see, hey, you know, I've got something to really work for here. I probably shouldn't screw it up. Uh, he's a good kid, a soft-spoken kid. He's a Louisiana native, actually. Right. Um, and so, you know, LSU just always seemed like a really good fit for him. And for Lorando, I was really happy, you know, he could make that commitment and get that out of the way and get it into it because I think that, you know, he's a kid that needs something like that to glue himself to and say, this is, you know, this is what I need to work for. And, uh, you know, like I said, I can't say enough about him on the field. Every time I've seen him, he's locked down his side of the field. He is a guy that can be a true shutdown corner. Again, you're going to deal with a lot more raw ability from him that you're going to have to shape and mold. But LSU, I mean, is one of the top DB schools in the country. And I, I'm not, I can't go on the record and call it DBU because my readers would hang me. But, uh, <laughs> But blame it's up there, you know. I mean, uh, like it's obviously it's. I, I think when people discuss it's Texas, it's LSU, it's 
Florida, I guess. But we don't need to get in the DVD thing. I got a lot of <laughs> you're thoughts. You're digging yourself a hole now. Well, I got a lot the of pod. No, I got a lot of thoughts on, like, Florida, slow down. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one, yeah. especially. We can agree like, on that. I'll take the LSU argument. If Ohio State wants to make an argument, I'll take the Ohio State argument. I'm not going to accept the Florida argument. Yep. Um, but, no, I mean, Lorando is... Uh, you know, a kid that from the very beginning, we you could see it in him. Everything he did was different. And so uh, I think you just got to get him in the program, uh, get him with somebody who's going to make sure he stays on track with his classes and, uh, you know, and, and just kind of develop him. Quickly, um, one that I, I don't hold an overwhelming amount of confidence on, but we'd be remiss, I think, if we didn't talk about him. Top 10 overall prospect in the country. In the 2021 class, number one offensive tackle nationally. That's Tommy Brockermeyer. I mean, you are as close as it gets with the family. And, you know, you and I both have had plenty of dealings with, with the family. Uh, Tommy and, and um, James and, and, and you know, their, their dad, Blake. Um, LSU's got an offer on the table. I know it was one that when it went out that they were excited about. They do want to make a visit. Um, any shot for LSU to pull him away from Texas? I think he ends up at Texas, but they're going to do their due diligence on all schools. And, uh, you know, I said that about a week ago when I went to go see him, and I, I think it caused a little bit of a revolt on my side. And, and I made it very clear, again, I think he ends up at Texas, but um, they're very interested in the business side of football. And that is going to a school that they know for a fact develops offensive linemen for the NFL. They're looking at that very closely. Texas is, that's a deficit for them. I mean, right. they had Connor Williams go in the second round last year, and that was the first lineman drafted in like a decade. And Tom Herman didn't recruit him probably, right? Right, right. Yeah. So he was a holdover from Charlie Strong's group. So, you know, I think in the next few years they're going to have some guys, but it's not going to be by the time Tommy makes his decision. And so, again, I think in the end, family ties are going to end up, you know, Tommy's a third-generation Longhorn. His brother's a walk-on on the team. Um, you know, now that Texas has entered the race for James, his brother, I think that that kind of, I, I think a lot of schools offered James and, and Texas knew they needed to offer James to kind of stay in that race. And so I, I think he ends up in Texas, but they're going to do their diligence. His dad told me they're going to try to visit LSU this summer. They're going to visit Alabama. They're going to visit Clemson, Notre Dame. So they're really looking at schools that traditionally produce offensive linemen at the next level. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he ends up at Texas um, as well as as James. So I, I think the family ties went out there. One that is very much an LSU-Texas battle, probably more so than than maybe any one of these, just because maybe it's down to a top two now. It's that or Alfred, I would say, except yeah. Alfred hasn't made it official. Yeah. Highland Park, outside linebacker, I think, probably safe to call him, even though he plays defensive end for the Scots. Prince Dorba, I mean – I know you love him as a prospect. I'm still, I would love to see more out of him at outside linebacker. He doesn't play it, so it's such an interesting thing to kind of monitor. We've got to rely on camp so much with him. But um, just what do you think about him as a prospect? I mean, he's a 6'2", 6'3"-ish, 215-pound edge rusher that at Highland Park plays as a 4'I", basically, yeah. two-gapping against the run. It's just not. You know, he can do it in high school because he's athletic enough, but it's just not – it doesn't fit his skill set. Right. Uh, plays in a three-man front. It's just you don't really get to see him turn it loose at Highland Park. So when he goes to camps, he is – I mean, he's a nightmare. 
off the edge. And, and, you know, a guy that at the opening in Dallas, we saw him up against Tommy Brockermeyer, and that was a hell of a battle. I think Tommy yeah. went two and one against him, which, you know, to me was more credit to Tommy than anything else. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think in the pros, uh, you know, they have a term for it. They call it that a bitch kitty. And uh, it's one of my favorite scouting terms, so I had to get it in there. Uh, just a guy that comes off the edge and is just a terror. Um, Prince is uh, actually a really interesting backstory on him. If you haven't seen, you know, some of the things that have been written, the documentaries and stuff about him. But, like, his family came over from Africa. His mother passed away. He was basically living in the hood. Had a friend that he played, like, youth football with and who lived in Highland Park. And they took him in and... Um, you know, made sure everything was okay with him and uh, his brother. And, and, and so he's excelled playing for the Scots. I think, uh, you know, obviously getting down to LSU and Texas, we're talking about the two serious contenders there. There's a lot of confusion around that, I know. I think they told one outlet that that was his top two. Um, he told them that a day after he told me that he was still fit, figuring out his top five. <laughs> so, you know, who knows with him. But I do believe that is actually his top two. Right. Um and I think Texas has had a, a reason to feel really good for a long time with Prince. He's publicly named them as leader on a number of occasions. And um, I think in the end they're going to get him. However, you know, it's always, like I say, you know, you get him on campus on that official, anything can change on that weekend. So obviously there's a reason LSU's in there. They've got kind of prototype guys that they can pitch that we've, you know, played these guys in these roles and they've gone on to success in the NFL. And so yeah, it's going to be very interesting down the stretch to see, you know, who can win that battle. It, it, w- one thing to make note of, I think for me on my end is, is look, Prince could end up being a guy that LSU lands. Xavion could end up being a guy that Texas lands. It's kind of that re- recruiting momentum. I mean, everyone thought LSU was going to get Xavion. And they thought it was probably going to happen this month. But, again, he's kind of pulling back the reins a little bit, wants to make a decision in October. Texas has taken a good deal of momentum there. Prince, everybody's kind of had him pegged for Texas for a long time now. LSU, they offered late, that's my opinion, on him because they had him on their radar for so long. But, man, they've made up a lot of ground in that one. Yeah, and I think, obviously, those guys are both – well, Xavier's not going to make a snubber decision, but Prince is. Um, but things always change during the season. You know, I mean, Texas obviously had a fantastic, not fantastic, not by the program standards. They had a good year last year. Bounce back. Sugar Bowl victory. A Sugar Bowl victory over Georgia. Regardless of if Georgia was excited to be there or not, they played a game, they showed up. You know, I, I don't like that excuse that much. But a good year. A good yeah. year to sell under year two and Tom Herman, 10 wins and played in the Big 12 championship and uh, beat at SEC power in, in the in the Sugar Bowl, so, who some say was probably the third best team in the country at that point. So, you know, they have a lot to sell there, but it's not, you know, we see it all the time where I think we get ahead of anointing uh, teams as, oh, they did this last year, so they're due for a step up. Sometimes teams take a step back, and so, you know, who knows how that affects things if a kid makes a commitment and then during the season doesn't always go how they want it to go. Um, you know, things can definitely change, and I could see – Either I could see both Alfred and Dorville landing at either LSU or Texas. I could see them splitting. I mean, it's just really, I think that those two are the ones that are legitimately a top two battle at this point. 
and I think that you know either side could come out any sort of way on it, and it wouldn't surprise me. I think that's a good way to end this one, man. Uh, LSU, Texas, battling for a lot of kids. These these two programs have been linked since that Thanksgiving week when it all went down. Tom Herman going to LSU, then to Texas, then Ed Odron going to LSU, and 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 being named full time head coach. It's it's going to be a hell. And let's not forget. Uh-huh. LSU comes to Austin. That I was about to say. It, it, <laughs> and it, it, all just, these kids will probably be there. <laughs> I, judging from our time spent around Houston, that is, honestly, I know Xavion, that was the game he mentioned, is saying, oh, that's going to be my Texas official. That's already done. I mean, it, it is going to be a, a monster weekend in Austin um, and just one that's going to be a ton of fun to cover, just like these recruiting battles between these two programs. They're, they're both rolling on the recruiting trail and, have a lot of momentum on the field as well, and um, I, I think we're going to be doing this a lot more. Yeah, and I've got to figure out how to get to Baton Rouge uh, next year. Ooh, I've never seen a game at Death Valley, so uh, that's a must that's on the bucket list. I, I have a couch. Uh, we can do a Baton Rouge New Orleans podcast next year. Yeah, just give me a ticket. Figure out how to get me a ticket. A credential or a ticket? I can do a credential too. Yeah, whatever works. It's one of the one of the perks of being in this business, right? Uh, no tickets, credentials. That's what we do. Okay, that's fine. I kind of want to experience it from the stands, though. You can be a, phot- a photographer for us. I'd be like, on the field. I'd like to hear Nick. <laughs> I, well, I don't know if you're bored or like you. You just dug yourself a hole right there. Why? Neck. Oh man, they start playing neck. I mean, Zoda for mean, the horns. It is what it is. It's neck at Death Valley. <laughs> like that's a must must-hear experience. <laughs> well, we hope this was a must-hear experience for you guys on the uh, Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. Mike, thanks for joining us. And uh, keep it locked on Go 24-7 and Horns 24-7 as uh, we continue uh, to bring you guys the latest and greatest on LSU and Texas on the recruiting trail. Have a great rest of the week, guys.